You are listening to the Ridgewood Church Podcast on a sermon series that will take us through the Gospel of John, entitled, Learning Jesus. We're all here, at least a good share of us, because we love our children. Um, We do this crazy VBS, we wear these shirts because we love our children. Although, to be honest, if I had my way, we'd be wearing these kind of shirts all the time. But we love our kids, but sometimes it seems that it's harder to love adults than it is kids, because adults are the ones that hurt us, and adults are the ones that we have baggage with. But what we're going to see today is that as Jesus is preparing for his departure, he leaves strict instructions to his disciples about how they could be set apart. And it wasn't to get the best theology or to memorize every part of the law or to make Rome a Christian nation. The command was so simple that it almost runs against our sacred cows that we have in the church. And the command is to love each other. When we love each other, we stand out. Religious activity doesn't make us stand out. Loving each other makes us stand out. And as our country and as the church of Jesus Christ just struggle with disunity in so many different realms, we can bring the aroma of Christ and we can do it by love, loving each other. And so this morning it's time to take the Lord's command seriously. It's time to be ones that people can look to and say, I want to be like them because they're reflecting something new and different and we know that that is reflecting Jesus. And so today we're going to learn how to love each other well. And we do it because Jesus loved us first. And so if you have a Bible, please open it this morning to John chapter 13 beginning in verse 1. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can... Just go ahead and open the Bible in the rack in front of you, page 900. So it's 31, John 13, 31 through 35, page 900. We also have the Ridgewood app that you can download on your phone, and you just go to media and go to study guide and just go to today's date. All the texts are there and so forth. So John 13. Now, if you're new here to Ridgewood this morning, We're in a series called Learning Jesus in the Gospel of John. And we find ourselves this morning in the upper room during the Last Supper before Jesus was to die. And a series of events have already taken place there. Jesus stunned his disciples by getting up and washing their feet, which you didn't do in that culture. The the servant always washed the feet of the master, But here's the Son of God, their rabbi, washing their feet to show them about love. And then Jesus identifies Judas as the betrayer. And Judas leaves the room. And with that settled, the events leading to Christ's death begin to kick into motion. And so where we find ourselves in the narrative here is that the machinery was in motion. The cross was next. The cross is coming. And Jesus is going to show his love in a magnificent way 
on the cross. And so look here at the text, John 13, 31 through 35. When he had gone out, that's Judas, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. That's a powerful passage that when you first read it, it seems like two completely different ideas. First, Jesus is talking about His glory in 31 through 33, and all of a sudden that in 34 through 36, He's talking about loving each other. But you'll see in a moment that it all fits together perfectly. So here we are now in the upper room. They've had this meal. Jesus has washed their feet. They find out that Judas is the traitor, that Satan is at work in him. The truth was out. And now the next big thing is the cross. And Jesus is saying that my glory will be revealed on the cross. Because that is a sign to you of the love that I want you to have for each other. He would be dying for them. He washed their feet. And now he's saying... I want you to do this for each other. I want you to impact the world by loving each other. And it would be the Lord's sacrifice that marked a new way to live. The glory of the cross marked a brand new day. This is the pivotal moment. This is when everything changed. This is what we look back to to find deep love and an opportunity to have new life by receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the one who went to the cross and made atonement for sin. It marked a brand new day. And so John makes it really clear here in his writing that the cross was the supreme moment of the glory of Christ shining through, the supreme moment of his self-disclosure. We finally find out who Jesus is for sure. He's the Son of God. He's the sacrificial lamb. He's the one who voluntarily gave him self for us. And this term son of man is significant. It's used here according to theologian D.A. Carson because that's the term that is ordinarily associated with suffering in scripture and it's also associated with glory. So on the cross they come together. Suffering and glory. And at that moment Jesus is glorified. At that moment the father is glorified. The Father is glorified because this is His redemptive plan. He condescended to our world. He sent His only Son into our world. This plan is not a reactionary plan. It's the plan that went into effect before the foundation of the world. And Jesus is glorified because He is the only one that can offer Himself as the pure spotless Lamb and He voluntarily carried the cross. So his glory is shining 
on the cross, and that's what's next for him. John writes about this earlier in his gospel, and the Word, the Word is Jesus, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. His glory is shining. And of course, John was there to witness all of this. John was likely leaning against him, reclining at the table. And he saw all of this happen. So to put it simply, the Father and Son were glorified together on the cross. So it's a new day for his disciples. It's a new day for us. Jesus is on his way to the cross. But before he gets there, he gives a new commandment. And the new commandment is one of love for each other. He made it really clear. There's no getting around it. Jesus said this in verse 33. He sets it up. First he says, little children, yet a little while I am with you, you will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now also I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. And this, of course, then, we'll see in the next coming couple of weeks, sparks all kinds of questions. Where are you going? Why can't I come? How do we follow you? And then, of course, Peter's saying, don't worry, I'll be with you the whole time. I'll die for you didn't work out that way. But Peter would be glorified later. And so, I love the phrasing here, this beautiful phrasing, little children, as he talks to his disciples. That's the Greek word technia, and it's a gentle emotional term. The best translation probably is my dear children. This is how he's speaking to these men. And, and these probably were not like weak men. These were burly guys, my little children. Have you ever thought of yourself as a child of God in this way, that Jesus is speaking to you and he's got this beautiful emotional connection with you? My little child. He's not distant. He, he, you don't have to walk in shame. He, he loves you. And, and what he says here is, I'm leaving you can't come right now, but until I come back, what I want you to do is love each other well. And he's the one that can say that with credibility because this love for one another is modeled after Jesus himself. This is why we can't wiggle around this. And so you have Jesus here who's saying that I am the model for this kind of love. Look at 34, a new commandment I give to you. That you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Just as I have loved you. Jesus had credibility. He had just washed their feet. He had loved them all this time, and now he's going to the cross for them. He's been there. He's done that. And those are the people that have credibility. When a young ball player comes up from the minor leagues to the major leagues and there's an all-star player that takes that young man under his wings, the young man is tuned in, listens because that other all-star player has been there. He's done that. If Chip and Joanna Gaines came to your house with their Magnolia Empire and said, we want to make a few changes here, you would probably listen. Because they'd done that, the men would leave. But 
Most would listen because credibility comes from what Jesus did. When I began, if you're new to the church, in my first life as a broadcaster, one of my very first jobs was doing a talk show with a legendary broadcaster named Ray Scott. We did a talk show together called The Ray Scott Show. We did it from his restaurant in downtown Minneapolis. And I remember when I learned I would be doing this, I was a little frightened. Because Ray's not just any broadcaster. Ray is in the Broadcast Hall of Fame. Ray broadcast the very first Super Bowl with Pat Summerall on CBS. Ray was big time. And so I remember meeting Ray for the first time. And Ray looked at me and said, he said, Paul, listen, here's the thing. This is our show. And I want you to be just as much part of this as I am. And so here's going to be the rule. He said, when you want to talk, just lift your finger like that, and I'll let you talk. I didn't get a lot of words in, but I listened to everything Ray said because he was gracious, he was kind, and he had been there and done that. And I'm so thankful that before he passed away, he received Jesus as his Lord and Savior through his son Preston, who was a youth pastor at that time. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to say, Ray, I love you. I'm going to talk now, Ray. I've got a few things to talk about. But the credibility that Jesus brought to this whole equation is amazing. And we need to see that credibility too. Because when he says, love each other, he's not messing around. It's not a request. It's a command. He had washed their feet. He had struck down all of the cultural value. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. Because he was going to the cross and it would mark a brand new day. He's the one we look to. And aside from the simple fact that we want to obey, there's also a really practical reason for loving each other. Look at 35 again. But this, all will, people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So it's not if you have the best practices, if you know the most theology, if you have the best methodology and fog machines. It's if you have love for one another. So why is it important that we love each other? This love for one another displays Christ's glory to the world. That's why it's important. Because the world needs this. And when we say new commandment, when Jesus says new commandment, it doesn't mean that this is the first time that loving one another has come out. Back in Deuteronomy 6.5 we see it. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's reiterated by Jesus many times. The Bible talks about love a lot. But what makes it new is the caveat, as I have loved you. And so he knew that the disciples were about to go out into a very hostile environment. He knew he was leaving. He would give them a gift called the Holy Spirit. But they would be facing hostility. They would all be martyred. And now he's saying, the way you're going to survive this, the way you're going to build the church, is to love each other. And we see the church, the apostles must have listened because in Acts 2, the church is doing exactly that. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, 
and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. They were having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. What was drawing people? It was love. It was different. It was new. They weren't used to seeing it. And in verse 41, it says that thousands were coming and being saved, meaning that they were being saved from the condemnation of sin and the wrath of God by receiving Jesus Christ as Savior and forgiveness of sin. And this is what our world so desperately needs to see. Because out there in the world, there is cynicism, there is backstabbing, there is gossip, there is climbing the ladder over people's back. It's People are more isolated than ever. They're confused. They're lonely. They're divided. They're angry. And they don't know what the truth is regarding their future. And unfortunately, the church, many churches have walked away from the truth of what salvation is and how to obtain it through Jesus Christ. And so we have to be the ones to hold the banner of Jesus up. And we're not going to have any success in doing that unless we love each other well. That's why we have that mission statement. Making Jesus known through community impact. That's why these lanterns mean something. Because people have come to know Jesus. And so the time is now to love each other well. And Jesus is saying, it's because I loved you. And so we remember what Jesus has done for us. We, we are preparing for glory. We see Jesus has gone on the cross into ascension and he's coming back again. And now we need to love. So how does this look? What exactly is Christian love? How do we exercise this? So I just have three points that I hope will be helpful. And by the way, if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're here for the first time, I think these principles will help you in your home, in your workplace, and so forth. But these are principles about how to love each other well. First, loving each other well means thinking the best of each other. And this would seem like a no-brainer, but it's actually really hard because our deceitful hearts have filters and lenses by how, which we see the world. And when somebody says something, we get hurt. Or, or we're critical of someone because we don't think they fit in, or how could they possibly be a Christian? But what we can do is we can say, you know what, I bet that person maybe made a mistake, but I want to lift that person up. Oswald Chambers, who many of you probably read in the mornings, great writer, says this, criticism is one of the ordinary activities of people. True, isn't it? But in the spiritual realm, nothing is accomplished by it. The effect of criticism is the dividing up of the strengths of the one being criticized. The Holy Spirit is the only one in the proper position to criticize. And He alone is able to show what is wrong without hurting and wounding. 
It is impossible to enter into fellowship with God when you are in a critical mood. That's just good common sense theology. So the first thing is to please think the best of each other. Second thing is, loving each other well means that we want the best for one another. So when there's somebody that you know another believer is experiencing a prosperous time of life, maybe they're more popular than you, they have more money than you, Maybe you perceive, and most of the time it is perception, that they have the perfect family and marriage. If they drive a better vehicle than you, which is everyone, for me, I look around and I go like, wow, I'd like to have that car, that car, that car. No. We don't get envy, envious and jealous. We want the best for them. We take joy in their success. We're glad for them. That's how we love them. Paul, Paul talked about this kind of a, an attitude and how we can put aside the old way of thinking. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. We think about things differently because we're loving each other well. And so we think the best. We want the best. And then finally, the third principle I would put out there is this. Loving each other well means that we forgive each other. And this one, I can almost see you going, oh, yeah, that one. Because this is a heart. It really is. And I'm amazed in my own life how I can, I can find it within myself and the power of the Holy Spirit to forgive the man who did such violence and harm to our family and pray for him as he's in prison and want him to be saved, but I can't forget Pete, I can't forgive people in the day-to-day grind of life. It's because my heart is sinful and I have pride and I'm constantly confessing my pride. It is pride that destroys relationships. It is pride that destroys churches. It is pride, the unwillingness to say, yeah, I, I need the gospel. And if you think the gospel is a one-time transaction, then we don't understand the gospel. It is a constant need of forgiveness, of regeneration. Yes, we're justified. Praise God, we're justified. We can be in heaven. But there is this sanctification walk. And here's what Paul said, how we are to conduct ourselves. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander Be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. Remember Jesus? My little children. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So you're holding on to something because you're right? When the king of the universe sacrificed himself for you? It almost seems ludicrous to think of it that way. Listen, Jesus was about to go to the cross. He had washed their feet. He was saying, this is the one thing you need to do to attract people. And that is to love each other well. Because people out there don't know that this exists. Their world is full of loneliness and isolation. And they don't know where to turn. And we have the ability to help by simply loving each other well. 
And so who is that person that's been flickering around in your mind as I talk about loving and forgiving and not criticizing? Because I know I have. When I, when I was studying this, and during the first service when I was, was preaching it, all kinds of people were in my mind that I either need, I need to go back and make, make right with or I need to lay off and, and accept them and think the best of them. So who is that person for you? And I would encourage you just to pray about that. And for me, the best way to get over a hurt, the best way to conquer a feeling towards someone that is dark is to begin to pray for them. And when I'm praying for them, my heart softens. And if you are here and your, your child maybe was in VBS and you're not really sure about this whole Jesus thing, I really would like you to consider the fact that what was happening here in the upper room was that Jesus was preparing himself to go be crucified on a Roman cross for crimes that he didn't commit, taking all the sin of mankind onto himself and dying and making payment. And maybe he's calling you right now to believe in him and receive that gift of salvation so that you can be transformed and you can have eternal life. That's how much Jesus loves you. So why? We love because it's attractional, and we love because Jesus loved us first. The kids are going to come back and sing a couple of songs. Just find joy and gratitude in what they're going to sing and what the Word has taught us today. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the amazing gift of Jesus and his love for us and your redemptive plan. And I just pray that we can model that kind of love to a hurting world. Each of us has people. Each of us has situations that we need to do better. We need to reconcile. We need to get right with. And I know in my own heart, it's a constant battle against the flesh, against pride, against arrogance. And so God, will you please soften our hearts so that we can win people to you? And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. For more faith-based resources or information about Ridgewood Church, visit us at myrwc.org.